We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir? Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, now. it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Bayadujo. The show is also brought to you by our Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially our big chill producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mikoski, Andrew Teagle, and John Craig. Big thanks to all our producer-level patrons and all our patrons in general for supporting this show. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash sports, you can support the show as well. Uh, get voting privileges, schedule updates, just get a hand in what this show covers. So uh, big thanks to everyone who has joined. Appreciate all that support. Today's episode... I am talking to one of my just favorite people in media, uh, ESPN senior writer Kevin Van Valkenburg, and we were talking about a movie that somehow gets lost in sports movie lore. I talk about Ron Shelton being a first ballot sports movie Hall of Famer all the time on this show. Well, he wrote a movie before Bull Durham. He wrote The Best of Time, stars Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, two of our greatest actors, and, uh, and no one ever talks about it. So me and KVV dove in, what would it be like? If uh, 15 years after graduating high school, a bunch of dudes got together, replayed a high school game, here's me and Kevin Van Valkenburg talking the best of times. All right, joining me tonight on Big Screen Sports, he is a senior writer at ESPN, guy I've been a fan of for a long time, senior writer Kevin Van Valkenburg. KVV, thanks so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Kyle, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I- I've only sad that we're not going to get to talk about Ted Lasso because I know we're both uh, big fans, but uh Happy to to talk about a little bit more something more obscure this uh, time. Hopefully, will lead to some other people appreciating it. Uh, yeah. Next time, next time we'll talk about Ted Lasso. I'm always down to just. I mean, you could have a million different discussions on that show. Um, before we before we dive into what we're talking about tonight, tell the folks uh, where they can follow you. If you have anything good coming out, you just had that that Aaron Rodgers piece recently that dropped during the playoffs that was fantastic. But w- what's on tap? Thank you. Uh, yeah, working on a couple, uh, big long-term, uh, things actually just got back from a trip, uh, a work trip in Jamaica. So I'm going to 
keep uh, that um, what the topic of the story is, but I think it's it's really really cool. Uh, it could be one of the, the most emotional stories I've ever done. Uh, could be a few months before that comes out, but um, you know, I have a few golf things that are sort of working on a little bit here and there too. So uh, something can... on the gold boy and the player. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be sweet? It's just just right about the gold boy i'm not sure the audience for that would be uh, espn's larger golf audience it's um, yeah, kind I'm of a sure. golf twitter specific audience but uh <laughs> i would read the shit out of a gold boy article you know so that might have to go in the fried egg yeah. uh that's, that's fucking gold boy i try um, to remind myself that like it's just it makes me laugh is really like about one percent of the golf watching population that they just you know 80 percent of my twitter feed but one percent of the actual golf fans so uh try to keep that in perspective sometimes yeah that's that's my my wife keeps me in good check doing that because i'll be like scrolling my my feed and watching you know watching the players or something like that and i'm just like giggling to myself and then i look over and i'm like there's no way she would find what i'm reading funny so <laughs> my wife recently was like what was that you were tweeting about and i was like look I, it's would take way too long to explain and the payoff is way too small. So just don't dive into golf Twitter. <laughs> golf Twitter is something else, but uh, we're, we're actually not here to talk about golf or Ted Lasso. We're here to talk about the best of times. The 1986 football comedy, a small town loser determines to have one more shot at the big time by winning a football game. It starred Robin Williams, Kurt Russell and Pamela Reed. It was directed by Roger Spottiswood, which is a real name. Got a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes, but most importantly, it was written by Ron Shelton. Uh, critical and box office failure for the most part. And less than a decade later, he is a sports movie Hall of Famer. Why in your mind is this the forgotten Ron Shelton movie? That's a great question that I've been mulling uh, ever since we first started kicking this around because I think it contains like all of the things that like an 80s sports movie ought to have. Uh, it's sort of, you know, a, a big emotional climax, underdog tale. It's a little quirky. Uh, it's it's funny. Uh, it's got, you know, obvious star power in Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, two of the sort of most recognizable actors of their uh, eras. And I don't know, really, maybe it just didn't hit uh, right at the right time. Maybe, you know, the the premise just didn't stick with people. This is before Robin Williams was really a star. You know, he'd he'd made uh, World According to Garp but and Popeye, but, um, you know, hadn't really become like the movie star that he was uh, sort of bound to become. So um, pretty early in Kurt Russell's sort of uh, career as well. So maybe it just was kind of a before their time. And then I don't think it was available like, streaming or anything or it was like you know it didn't have any chance to become a cult classic because it was kind of one of those things that was sort of lost to um you know you had to rent it on vhs or you had to you know know somebody who had a copy and uh i mean i remember this certainly dates me but like renting it from the local video store for a dollar and uh <laughs> at home. so uh i don't know i mean i i hope maybe this will lead to a little mini revival of this uh, because I think it's just a great sort of heartfelt movie. I played high school football, uh, lost in a state championship game. Uh, so maybe it has a little bit of personal resonance uh, for me. I watched it before that had happened actually, I think is uh, uh, so who knows, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was setting me up for like the fate of that uh, at some point, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, just a very charming little movie. I think the availability thing is, is a is a big reason why because now like 
I remember when Uncut Gems came out and every, you know, everyone's talking about Uncut Gems. Like I was really, really psyched to see it. It's like, oh, good time. The movie the Safties did before that is on streaming. Like I'll check this out. And I, I might like good time more than I like Uncut Gems. Like good time was incredible. And with this, it's like maybe when Bull Durham comes out, you know, it's not like, it's not like you can just go pop on Netflix and throw this on and be like, oh, this guy, this guy did this before. I think there are definitely some of the themes that you see in, in Tin Cup, Bull Durham, White Man Can't Jump, um, you know, dealing with people who don't have their shit together seems to be a big, uh, a, a big pastime for Ron Shelton in his sports movies. Um, I, I definitely think he smooths it out a little bit better. It's a, it's a little more streamlined in, in the later ones. Cause this one it's, it's a little up and down for me. Like it has some parts that they're really hit and would hit it, you know, in any form or fashion and some stuff that I think maybe if he were the director, if he would have been able to put his full touch on it and he might've, might've pulled some stuff or done some things differently. But it, it, I think quirky is the, the best way to describe it. Like it's really, um, it, it has a lot going for it. It also helps that like, like you said, two of the most recognizable actors, like, you know, like extreme 30 for 30 voice. What if I told you that Kurt Russell and Robin Williams were in a sports movie? Like that's, that's crazy. And Robin Williams is going for it in this. Like he's full, even if he's not full fame, Robin Williams, he is absolutely bringing everything to the table. I don't think that guy ever like took a playoff. No, it really like committed to every single scene. Uh, And no, I think, maybe it never quite explains like why the two of them are friends. That's sort of one kind of missing element. Maybe it's just sort of implied that it's a small town and everybody's sort of connected in some way. So, you know, naturally like Jack would, would be friends with Reno uh, on some level, at least, uh, you know, that they're sort of connected by this, you know, pass and over time or whatever. But um, I don't know. Rob Williams just like, is the right there's there's some way movies where Robin Williams is over the top and this one I feel like he's the right amount of sort of zany Robin Williams uh and uh I just I appreciate his kind of earnestness and longing to sort of rewrite uh you know of a, a past failure that has haunted him for many years yeah because there there are parts of this character that are unlikable and you, you could definitely look at this lens and say, I'm not sure I should be rooting for this guy, but Robin Williams, when he wants to be, is so endearing. And so he he's fantastic. Like, he, you just cannot help but but root for that guy, even when he's a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, performed this. We had a, in my high school, the senior year of high school, I was in, like, drama club class. It was a, something where, you know, you had to perform a monologue and the teacher let us pick from anything. And so I uh, gave the monologue from the very opening of this movie, the, you know, these are not the best of times and nothing comes easy anymore. Uh, and the whole like recitation of like all the history of the Taft, uh, you know, um, rivalry and the, and the Kid Lester stuff and the Reno Hightower. So I can, I can't, I was trying to think if I could, when I was watching it again for this, I was trying to remember if I could memorize, if I knew still the whole monologue, opening monologue by heart. I couldn't quite get it, but there was so many like, like pings in my brain that hadn't gone off for 20 years. So it was like, oh God, yeah. I remember when I delivered that in front of all the drama dorks. Like I was was a rare (laughs) football player who was like, yeah, I want to join. I want to take a drama class and, uh, you know, really commit to this uh, this bit. So uh, it's, it also has a special place in my heart for that. That opening monologue is something that really, really works for me. I yeah. I think it's a really, a really good setup. It gives you in in like a minute and a half, it basically tells you why this town is so down in the dumps and why this football game would mean that much. 
Yep. And, you know, it sets the stages for it's the first time you see Kid Lester and maybe it's kind of like cheese dick in the end that he reappears. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, oh, I, have, it, I, I fucking loved it. <laughs> I really loved it, too. So it's it dangles that. I mean, I think one of the best things that storytelling does, uh, good quality storytelling, is that there's tension. Right. And so it sets the stakes right away. And you you understand, like, why you're supposed to care about uh, the plight of you know this person and it just is perfect like opener for a sports movie so is this a hall of fame all-star starter bench warmer sports movie for you uh i think it's like a great like sixth man you know like a off the bench uh you know never um never need you know it doesn't try to be maybe more than it is i i would say I'd be hard pressed to say it's like a hall of fame movie. Um, you know, it's, it has, I'm like a big on nostalgia. And I, so I think like uh, part of the, the whole premise of the movie is about nostalgia, right. And longing for like a different time and what we could have been or missing, you know, a, a, a time in our lives. And I think that's nostalgia can be cheap, but the way that this is sort of like, done is it's like almost turns out on its head a little bit it's not quite like remember when it's like you know yeah but what what could be or what could have been uh and maybe we'll rewrite that part of it things and so that's i guess part of the reason why um maybe some people think it's too like of a absurd of a premise but i so yeah i, I was i would feel comfortable with like a great six man a vinnie johnson type uh you know uh <laughs> six guy off the bed what was yeah uh, who, who are some other famous six men in the uh, i always go back to aaron mckee which is a real weird okay. person i'm not even a sixers yeah. fan but i always think of aaron mckee because that he yeah. was the, i think he was one six man of the year on that iverson finals team okay kurt rambis um, is a lakers fan oh Little kurt rambis too yeah. yeah shout out uh shout out winning time on right That's now right. That's right um it, yeah i would say it's a solid starter for me the th- it's like the theme, kind of what you're talking about, like this, the nostalgia and like the what could have been the uh, uh, kind of that that looking to relive, you know, any any part of of how things used to be when things used to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a theme like, you know, Friday Night Lights does it the best where you have the whole town is, you know, get you one of these it's over in a flash, you know, babies and memories, that whole thing. It it weirdly the the theme of this this movie is a lot more like lighthearted and and oddball than this. But I actually it, it's it's funny that that you wanted to do this. I come back to that really like kind of haunting piece you wrote about the semi pro football player mm. who who passed away yeah. for twenty. Just incredible piece of writing. Like I'll link Thank it in you. the show notes. It's it's Thank not you. gonna it's not gonna make you feel like fuzzy like the end of this movie. But it's um it, it kind of reminded me of that of like guys chasing you know chasing the highs from their past or yeah. you know um trying to just relive that one feeling under the lights because it's something that i i thought about i would have liked to have seen a little more in this movie of of bakersfield because mm-hmm. part of the reason that those guys would come together and do this too because they're chasing the same thing that yeah. was still the highlight for for a lot of those guys too so i think the the theme of what it's trying to accomplish is actually something that um you know i would love like i would love to see and even kind of like more serious crack at it, I'd be kind of interested in what that would look like. I think too, part of the reason that it appeals to me is like, there's been all these like romantic things about baseball and about uh, even basketball and sort of like this 
spiritual thing that we feel it's some sort of you know connection to it and that you know kind of like moment that gives you chills and there's just not that certainly like up to this point uh 1986 i think is when it came out there wasn't that many like football movies like about that football kind of got you know left behind in some of the kind of um romanticization romanticization of like the cinema stuff uh you know it's all baseball was always kind of a more natural fit for that and being a football guy myself like i you know i wanted sort of a sort of a funny but also like romantic comedy heartfelt sort of treatment uh of something like that and instead of you know like we're winning the big game like going back and replaying the big game then in a tie is sort of a fun premise not to where i think like shelton is smart because he doesn't give you like the obvious cliche he sort of like you know flips it on its ear and be like okay but what we could explore all these other kind of themes if we do it this way which i think was super fun yeah yeah, um, I'm gonna I pulled a couple things from the IMDb trivia. This one is is kind of a fun IMDb trivia, and again, I I never know what on this is actually fleshed out and real, what's not. But uh, this one jumped out. NFL cornerback and later head coach Herm Edwards was one of the extras used in the football scenes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. You you play to win the game. <laughs> play to win the game, then. If, if they only knew, man, you could have given Herm some line reads. Like they had. I mean, absolutely. Herm. Herm would be money in some football movie cameos. Wow, absolutely. He would be yeah. he would be excellent. Um, Robin Williams and Kurt Russell both played high school football before becoming actors. The two also performed their own stunts during the scenes of them playing football without any body doubles. Kurt Russell, like I would have because Kurt Russell played minor league baseball and then he played for, you know, his father's indie ball team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he looks like an athlete back there. Like Kurt Russell yeah. is an athlete. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, whether he like straight up like throws great spiral or not uh, is less important to me than like, he kind of, you could see him being like a great seventies quarterback, right. Yeah. When they didn't throw that much, but like a, a Namath type. Uh, like I, I think he, he just plays the part really well. Like he, he just looks it. And, it's how he carries uh, himself. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, that's 90% of like what a movie quarterback is, right. It's probably 30% of what a real quarterback is, is how <laughs> they carry themselves. But for a movie quarterback, it's kind of everything. Like he, I have, my high school quarterback uh, is like not exactly like Reno Hightower, but like, you know, in some ways there's a lot of things that are similar to him and I, I love him. I haven't seen him probably in 20 years, but like, I, I know like, you know, that he still lives in Montana. He's still, you know, uh, has probably had some shit luck in life and, and uh, it's keeps sort of smiling and keeps sort of, you know, enjoying and and in a lot of ways probably like does remember when he was great and was like the sort of talk of the the world and sort of also doesn't want to remember that shit because like it's so long ago and and so there's another kind of reason why i like it too is i could see some of my own friends in that uh sort of you know thing that's where i think shelton the way shelton writes characters not not just in this but in anything it's his characters just come off as so authentic. You see bits and pieces of people, you know, in those characters. And that even, you know, I, I think that's one of the great things about Bull Durham is there's so many like fleshed out little side characters and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature that, um, yeah. So it, the, the Reno high there, there's probably been thousands of Reno high towers and Kurt Russell just slides into that perfectly. I think what Shelton gets right about sports characters is there's so much more, um, 
universality and and something that's more interesting and like you know guys who never quite were you know guys who maybe they were a star in this tiny little world or maybe they were just you know a has-been or maybe they're shitty and like whether it's crash davis or you know whether it's billy ho or whether it's you know reno hightower like are guys who probably could have should have done better but for whatever reason didn't and sort of dealing with failure is way more interesting from a storytelling perspective than like dealing with success uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's why i think his movies are his sports movies are so unique because those are fun things to explore and they're relatable and they're kind of you know the sad sack guys who actually still have like a good heart like that's you know that's again like in in bull durham like we're we end up sort of feeling rooting for crash davis not national luke the guy who makes it to the big leagues and has a big league arm right we want crash to find happiness and contentment even though he's never going to make the show so that yeah that's what i love about sheldon just uses sports as a mechanism to tell us deeper stories about these people trying to find their path in life whether that's connected to sports or not and he's i mean he's a master first ballot sports movie hall of famer like him him and costner going in in the same class um, the football, th- this one is where I realized that like, I am, I am too deep in dad life. The football game was a high at the high point of the film was shot at Moore park Memorial union high school football field. The field was located at 280 Casey road on a hill overlooking the city of Moore park during the filming in the wee hours of the morning, the temperature dropped to below freezing. The field was destroyed in the filming and the studio paid to have it reseeded and re-landscaped, which is something I thought about while I was watching the movie. Like, holy shit, they're killing all that grass. <laughs> it's just the dad, the daddest thing watching that. <laughs> well, shout out to the groundskeepers out there who, you know, get a, that's a, what a nice thing to have it reseeded and replanted. I hope that they got a, a good quality uh, keeper to, uh, you know, to, to do that instead of, you know, just slap dashed it and then took off. Uh, shout like, out uh, to the supers. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, so this is one that was not from IMDb, but Holly Palance, who plays Ellie Dundee, who plays mm-hmm. who plays Jack's wife, just very interesting looking at her dad is Jack Palance, who won the Oscar okay. for City Slickers, Curly. Yeah. She was married to the director. And then three years after this, she quits acting to become a journalist. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's remarkable. Yeah. Okay. I know. Not a, not a typical path. Uh, no, no, not not Sean usually Ted excluded, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I always, every time he pops up and it's like, he's doing, he's like filming something in Ukraine. I'm just like that, that, that guy, that was fucking Spicoli. Like, yes. His like interview with uh, El Chapo or whatever (laughs) is so bad. So embarrassing. Like just the kind of thing where like someone, no one could imagine being a senior editor at Rolling Stone and having to edit Sean Penn's copy when it comes in. And it's just like gibberish horseshit. It, I mean, it honestly, it kind of reminds me, you, you told this great story on Shotgun Start a few weeks ago about Phil Mickelson trying to play baseball, and it kind of yeah. gives me the same vibes. Yeah. <laughs> no one will tell him that he sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, that, that, they can make a whole like Ron Shelton movie about Phil Mickelson showing up to you know throw meatballs to the Toledo Mudhead. I tweeted this at you that, that was, it was legitimately the funniest podcast I've ever heard, and that would absolutely make an incredible sports movie. God. Well, if anyone out there is listening and would like me to write screenplay for that, the Phil movie, uh, the pro golfer who tries to show up, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm in. It, it screams like O4 Feral. Like that would be yeah. just, that would have been right up his alley. Yeah. Um, let's roll into best scene. 
uh, I'm going to roll through these chronologically. We can kind of talk about if I miss any of your favorites, by all means, stop me. Mm -hmm. Um, the, we we talked about the monologue. I think that, you know, really good monologue. Uh, when Jack pitches the game to both Reno and the Colonel, I have this as kind of, I was kind of wondering at first, like, Oh, he's, his father-in-law is just a real big dickhead, huh? And then it's like, oh, he's he's the device for for getting the game started. Uh, having him as the foil makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I love when he's, uh, when the father-in-law starts to, you know, give him the, the speech. And like Robin Williams is like, recite, Jack, Jack, I'm a very important man. Like, I'm, I don't have time for this. And he's like saying it along because he knows already what's uh, what he's going to say. So the father-in-law is pretty well done as a as a character as a completely like one-dimensional but uh ridiculously fun character oh yeah i mean and that that like booster character in high school football the guy who just cares way too much even though you know it just perfect one one of the better that you did a hall of fame of of fictional boosters he, he might make them out rush more <laughs> he and buddy garrity buddy garrity, buddy garrity absolutely um jack's undercover vandalism when he puts on the the mascot costume he needed something to get get uh to get them on board Mm -hmm. so that i although just like telling them that bakersfield was talking shit about him when he got that phone call i i thought would have been the move you know just being like hey you know i just got off the phone and they're they want to play the game and they call this every name in the book but um you know just like throwing pain on on your quarterback's wife that i guess that also works yeah i kind of like the the uh, whole theme of like the town is like so like beat down and humiliated or whatever that they not only when is this game sort of a vehicle for them to like be uplifted but they like start fixing up the town and they open up the movie theater and like they're like taking pride again and who they were as they're kind of remembering and embracing this idea of like what was uh and what we what could still be possible and so that's kind of a fun if cheesy sort of uh, side uh, plot to this because that's what makes the movie more charming is that the town gets behind it because it was if it was really just a bunch of has-been football players it, it it wouldn't be the same if it was just the pride of the 22 guys on the field it wouldn't quite wouldn't quite feel the same mm-hmm, for sure and they all you know they're coming back half our offensive line lives in you know san jose or whatever and they <laughs> you know we'll get them back we'll get them back <laughs> that that rolls into the training montage where i think the movie really starts picking up yes. when they finally like decide they're playing the game and the, the o lineman showing off the you know, getting up off the bus with the six packs looking looking very much like stereotypical ex-high school lineman yeah the that whole uh montage is like i think probably my favorite or second favorite part of the film just because uh it's like you know they're they start out and they're kind of sad sacks and they can't even move the sled and you got the they bring back the same old high school coach who's kind of crazy and speaks in cliche, you know, biblical cliches. And, <laughs> and then, but they start kind of like do the aerobics and they're starting to running around town and people are getting behind them. It's kind of a Rocky esque. Uh, but I, I appreciate that. It's always sort of played with like a twinkle in your eye. Like, I don't think any of this film would work if it was like super serious. Uh, there could be a more serious version of this, but uh, I do like that. It has that eighties kind of, uh twinkle about it that it, it's like yeah none of this is really gonna happen could really happen but you know just go along with us or whatever you know kind of like major league which is my favorite sports movie of all time is like a there's one. a kind of a, you know a, a corniness to all of it and like a, a surreal it's a heightened reality it's not really like reality right 
And it really does have the Rocky Drago thing of like with it, you know, they're probably drawing yes. plays in the dirt and they're drawing plays in the dirt <laughs> and they the Bakersfield has I, I'm curious what computers are doing as far as as, dark, as far as the plays in, in 1986. I'm not really not really sure where we were in innovative offense back then. I mean, those beta like you know they got the little green screen things and that, that was I, I had to laugh pretty hard at that when because I'd forgotten a lot of uh, that kind of stuff. But 100 percent like it's very much like we've been cutting edge in 1985-86. So like you're supposed to impress us that. They were, you know, doing it up on a dot matrix printer and uh, <laughs> original Apple computer and drawing pixeled green lines on it. So, did you have a favorite scene of the guys and their wives? They do the Monday night football double date and then also whatever's going on at the dance. Yeah, because they really try to make that a thing. Yeah, um, I think probably the the Monday night football uh, thing where they're, I mean, the idea that they're like so. Uh, I, I like that when they reveal that the TV, they, don't, that they find out the TV has been sort of dragged in the women that um, Ellie is like, Jesus, Jack, they're Owen 17 between the two of them. <laughs> like even she knows that like, this is a really shitty Monday night football match. And then they go to the bar later and, and Jack's like, Oh, because they watch the highlights on you know, the highlights are coming up soon or whatever. It's like these poor guys like love. I, I mean, I remember what it was like in the eighties to like, be sort of riveted by Monday night football, right? There was no Sunday night football. There was no uh, Thursday night football. You know, that was the one chance you got to sort of see, you know, national teams that weren't, you know, there was no direct ticket that, you know, so Monday night football, like if you weren't around then was like such a bigger deal culturally, because it's like your chance to get to see teams that you wouldn't otherwise get to see unless they made the playoffs or whatever. And so I could see like a, a little bit of like, why that would matter to like football obsessed dorky dad type guys, you know? So, yeah, that's a good thing to point out. Cause now it wouldn't like, you, you know, you're not going to kill yourself over watching like the, you know, the saints and the Panthers. Right. Or something, something like that. Um, so then it goes into, I mean, every sports movie, you know, the final game, which is in this one is, is basically split into the first half when they, they, you know, get dick sanded and then halftime when it's like, I kind of like that. I almost thought like maybe this movie is better if it's just the redemption story of Reno because of his psychotic high school buddy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it ends up being good just because of Robin Williams and you want to root for both of them. But I, when Russell brings like the swagger out, like when, when Jack kind of like Miyagi's in there, yeah. that's the movie really like kicks up a notch when it's cause you want to watch Kurt Russell's a movie star. You want to watch him be a star. You want to watch him do that stuff. He's been, he's been getting like pushed down the entire movie. It is really fun to watch at halftime when he pulls out the white converse and then watch him just, you know, win this game in the second half. Yeah. Like that's a, uh, I know we're going to talk about like chill moments in a little bit, but that's a, like a, when he, he walks out in the mud and he's wearing the white shoes and everybody goes nuts. Like it's, you know, sort of silly, but it, it's super kind of endearing. And he's been, like this, you know, nice guy. He's nice to pretty much everyone. Uh, and so even though he's like a sad sort of, you know, he's a, he paints vans and fixes cars. Uh, everyone likes him because he's sort of, you know, nice to whatever. And when he brings out the whole, like, yeah, shut up and catch the ball. Like, uh, it's sort of a fun little twist of like, okay, this is what made Reno great, right? Like he was, you know, a prick. And that's often true of like we talked about how a quarterback carries himself like it's he fits naturally into that uh little skin as well 
when he he first like he's in the locker room and he kind of first like starts turning into a dick like he turns on luther or whatever and, and starts getting a little sharper I, right away i was like oh that that's that's the guy who played herb brooks like 20 years later that that lines yeah. up real well <laughs> yeah. and you could there's definitely times in this when i was hearing wyatt herb too like mm. uh you know and i was like oh that's a that's a, that could totally be a tombstone line right there at the end uh, absolutely did i miss any of your favorite scenes um i so one thing that scene that i just think is funny is when they uh when jack presents the idea to the um the elk the moose club or whatever the caribou <laughs> club and they have all this kind of old you know the goofy looking guys in the hall or whatever and they're they're doing the the quick sort of auctioneer type banter of like you know who to say anyone second second you know second second this uh thing a second second and they're you know it's like they you get a quick sort of um sense of like how well like all these people in this town know each other right there there's nobody like who's unfamiliar to any of them and they're all you know they're all just familiar with like why jack's ideas is ridiculous why he needs it so bad and and reno kind of like pretending like he's for it but secretly sort of doing the caribou shake with uh Emmett, the so, care the yeah. caribou call as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, i mean, I mean it, it's a town with no strangers and that scene really illustrates that yeah um the, there's the one scene where uh robin williams is sort of explaining to um about how he was he was on this sort of great path in his life until he tried out for football and he, he talks about like you know i wrote this amazing essay uh you know it won the award whoever and just real suddenly reno was like it was a great essay like <laughs> like the absurdity of of reno like being aware of like what you know jack's essay on like the middle east uh, peace process was or something whatever that I, I just love that kind of throwaway line whatever yeah it was yeah. a great essay <laughs> and that's i mean that's the stuff that shelton does so well those like throwaway lines quick quips uh like it it he takes it up even another notch in in um in bull durham and and you know white man can't jump and tin cup and stuff like that but it's um i it's almost cliche to say that like my favorite scene is the second half of the football game, but watching, I mean, watching Kurt Russell cook and be a star and like play sloppy, muddy football, because in a lot of football movies, it's either just crazy over the top or incredibly violent or, um, you know, a, a lot of football movies actually, I think have good football action because it's very hard to fake it, mm -hmm. but I just like the the sloppiness of it like i yeah. it it looked like a bunch of dudes in their late 30s yeah. <laughs> getting together and scrapping out on a football field like it didn't try to be something it wasn't that's what i did love that too that like it it wasn't like there's super athletic plays going on like it was just basically like backyard football with a bunch of you know out of shape uh guys who tried desperately to get in shape to get this ready for this and stuff and every play sort of ends with like five people tackling kurt russell and he's supposed to, supposed to pick himself up off the ground and get ready to throw another pass and you know the, at the end jack is so covered in mud that all you can see is like his eyes you know and it's just uh it, you know their jerseys weigh like a million pounds yeah just yeah. covered in all that mud i think he might have talked me into the the caribou club scene being the best one in the movie though yeah. like it's it's really really good like it, it, it says is. it says everything you need to know about the town and it's really funny yeah, those are like those are super important, you know, writing things, right? If you're trying to establish, you know, community and sense of stuff, like what we got to get them away from. I mean, 
the, the culminating football stuff is obviously the best, but you wouldn't care as much if like you didn't see who the, all these minor characters were and how they sort of, you know, interplay with one another and how they sort of get behind this idea once the, the caribou club gets trashed and stuff uh, by yeah. uh, Jack as a, a false flag uh, <laughs> event. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll get back with best quote. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so best quote. This one, I think unlike... A lot of Shelton's movies, you mentioned that this one has an, a great opening monologue, but a lot of, he doesn't let the characters have, they don't have a, a Crash Davis, like, what do I believe in monologue. They don't have uh, Roy McAvoy kind of talking about his swing, like the, un, you know, the unfinished swing and things like that. Um, there, there's nothing that pulled like that for me. Do you have, is there a quote in this one that automatically stands out to you? So I, I love this exchange and, I, and Kurt Russell just so good at delivering it uh, is, you know, he's, they're talking about, it's kind of right before they play the game or whatever. And, and Kurt Russell says, I was never great. I was pretty good. I was great for around here. Every year I got better. The people remember me in my, my prime. The kids always ask me about the six touchdowns against Porterville. Hell, I only threw three touchdowns. And Jack says, it was seven. So I'm not going to argue. I like the idea of seven better. In a couple more years, it'll be eight. I'll get better with age. My knees are killing me and I'm slow. Jack says, that's why you didn't want to play the game. He says, no, I just... I didn't want to destroy the one thing I got left. Those stories about how great I was, which I think is such a fucking beautiful, like sort of sad, but like perfect sentiment, right? Like I look, don't, don't take that away from me, Jack. Like the stories, they, they see me and I'm shitty. Then all anybody will remember is how I was shitty in this rematch game. Can't we just like go back to like, I want to hold on to this like memory of, where I was good enough to where people still exaggerate. And then later someone comes up to him like a scene later and it's like, Hey Reno, like remember when you threw eight touchdowns? Against <laughs> it's like, just like he was sort of predicting. And I, I just love the way that it's a perfect Kurt Russell sort of uh, delivery. You know, the stories I had about when I was great. It is the classic deep thing though, of like these high school legends who do hold on to that and why. And like, I felt like the best, most important person in the world. And that has only grown, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm still, and it's interesting because like Reno, he's not holding on to this. He's not uncle Rico talking about, I could throw the ball over the mountains and stuff like that. But it's like, he also, in, 
he enjoys it to a certain point. Like the, it's it's comforting to him in a life where the only other really thing he has going for him is is raising Kurt Cameron. Weirdly enough, his his son is Kurt Cameron, which like that's and Jack. Fucking... Jack's daughter is Tracy Gold, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. From, uh, <laughs> big no. big growing pains. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, household, but um, yeah, that that's a great line. I went with like shorter quips, like tax loopholes are a god given right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wonder wonder who the colonel voted for. Yeah, um, and then uh, Reno defending de- defending the city to his wife. It's been judged as the safest city in America in the event of a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. I, I also I attended college in a West Texas oil town, so I, I feel good about that. That seems to make a lot of sense. Nice. Yeah, those are. Those are both really good. Uh, was, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it depends on a little bit how you feel about the sort of a little bit of racial stereotyping at the end with Doctor Def. Uh, yes, uh, a little <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> looking in retrospect, but you know, uh, Jack saying, you know, you better watch it, Doctor Death. I'm pretty fast for a Caucasian. Like, <laughs> I, I got a little smile out of me, even though I was, I was like a little bit uncomfortable with uh, Doctor Death's portrayal as having just gotten paroled out of prison so yeah uh reno also was very comfortable throwing out uh the word the word jive as a as a, as a negative thing so that was that was interesting but it did have i mean they were funny when they when they said when they said dr death you know i thought he was still in jail no he's on parole parole <laughs> <laughs> got dr death covering you no sweat i thought he was still in jail uh, he's on parole Bro. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. I, I can't lie. It got a laugh out of me, but yeah. it, the line probably gets rewritten in, in yeah. 2022. Um, okay, so the, the most authentic and least authentic sports parts of this movie. I mean, the, the best sports movies and the best movies in general have a layer of authenticity that, that makes them work. I, I think this one is, is no different. Is there something in here that is the most authentic to you? The most authentic? Um, I would say... I mean, Johnny O, it seems like a, a pretty good, uh, you know, like high school running back, right? Like he's, <laughs> he's got some decent moves. Uh, um, you know, some of the, the Bakersfield uh, sort of athletes uh, seem like they could, I mean, it, it, it seemed like it was, it wasn't ridiculously over the top um, football stuff. And um, I would say I'd go with that, that aspect of it. Like Bakersfield's uh, general, like stars seem like they could actually play a little bit. Like you could sort of imagine uh, them carrying a football and catching a football for, you know, as a athletic 35 year old man or something. Yeah. I mean, the movie understood that it's, you know, it's all about line play. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't play the game. We can't get the offensive line back. They, they completely understood that. I also, this might be, th- this might be a little over the top. I, I don't think it's not it's not crazy to think of two towns getting into something like this, especially in like 1986. Yeah, like yeah. it is it is not out of the question for it to like you know this maybe they were two undefeateds or something like that. It's two really small towns and it's the 15 year anniversary or something like that. And they're like we're gonna have you know most of the people haven't left. We're all working in the oil fields anyway. Like we're we're gonna do this you know for the sake of the town or something like that. It is not. I, I could absolutely see it happening at yeah. some point, especially in like in, in oil field town in California or West Texas yeah. or, you know, anywhere like that. Like, you know, it could be a yearly tradition. I would, I would be absolutely into it. Hell yeah. I, I, I'm ready to play my, I'm ready to replay my <laughs> uh, Montana high school class double a state championship where we will probably get stomped yet again uh, by our crosstown rival, but uh, you never know. How many series into that game? Would you, would you be like, Oh, this was a mistake. 
uh i think i'd probably it would take until at least the second series uh unless like i um you know just blew up my shoulder uh i had this like great idea years ago that i uh i played two years of college football and i then decided like i'm never gonna you know see the field or you know this is just a not a good use of my time and so um i went and you know wrote for the student paper and then kind of launched my journalism career but years ago like when i was probably 44 now i was probably 33 34 i was like you know what make for a great book is if i went back and played like one more year of college football at like the lowest division of college football like a division three school i, I played one double a for the montana and you know made like two career tackles and you know i was i was wasn't terrible but i wasn't good but i could probably if i had gone out of high school to play at an NIA school or a division two school or whatever uh or just even a different one double a school i could have played but i thought oh it'd be so interesting to write about like having covered some of the biggest football uh college football i'd been to a couple national championships at that point what if i went back and wrote about why kids play the lowest level of football and some of my old college teammates were like that's a terrible idea like you'll you'll work really hard to like get in shape and get ready. And then you'll blow out your shoulder. Like the very first, like two days practice, what possible good could this do? Like what, what book will you have then having spent six months of trying and you might also die. So, <laughs> so at I would 44, have read that though. Yeah. Oh, it would have been a great book. I, I think at 44, uh, it's, it's that book idea has come and gone, but, uh, it would have been, a great I was going to say it might be even better at 44. <laughs> Man, you, you might be talking me into this, Kyle. This might be. Hopefully, there's an agent listening. Call me up, give me a bunch of money, and uh, I can just take a leave from my job and go, uh, go give it a go at the Division Three uh, football somewhere. But uh, I would be so Sol Ross State, which is in is in uh, is in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, their Division Three school. They were the ones who had a uh, a 60 year old grandpa play. Oh, really? I think he was 60 or 61, if I remember correctly. He, he was either 60 or in his 50s or something like that, but he was a grandpa and he came back to play one year of college football. Sweet. So, you know, you've got some years on him. Like, you, <laughs> you could do it, write the book. Like, I'm, I'm, I support this. Okay. Well, 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 if we, if it, if it does happen someday and I don't die, uh, then we'll know that this is the moment where it, it, uh, it, it came to fruition. You know, it's right. Perfect. It, it was holding you to the it. Seeds of it anyway. Not, yeah. So, can't wait. Uh, I'll, unrealistic uh yeah stuff in this uh, film unrealistic or least authentic well i don't know why you'd have dr death on jack uh though i mean it yeah like Dr. Wa- wasted talent it's like putting yeah. like putting ed reed on a lineman yeah dr death should have been like a, a free safety or middle linebacker just let him cook and, and go after i mean basically like let him blitz reno every play they're not going to block dr death with what they got so it seemed like very poor coaching there by uh i i think jack's uh i mean it was unclear if like jack's uh father-in-law was like the coach last booster or if he was just kind of like a jerry jones type sort of demanding the coach call certain plays or, or what but, he gave uh, me the jerry jones the jerry jones type like yeah. he's the money he's down yeah. on the sidelines because he's the money okay he bought those bought those fancy computers, computers yeah <laughs> uh yeah so that would be my unrealistic would you have it i mean Jack doing Jack does like when he does evade Doctor Death. I don't know if you saw, but like he does like another spinning pirouette. Does the the aerobics style yes. thing, uh, which is sort of funny, but also like kind of you know ridiculous that uh, he would think that that was necessary to put it throw another spin move in there uh, as he was uh, flying down the field. So 
feel like Dr. Death might have still caught him. I think probably Dr. Death got up off the ground and definitely like batted that pass down. <laughs> My least authentic was that it was actually not too sports related. It was more like 1986. You're tracking down that many dudes you went to high school with 15 yeah, years ago and getting back to the home. That's tough. No Facebook back then. That's true. Some well, of those he, guys might not be listed in the yellow pages. Yeah. Or alive. Uh, yeah. I suppose you could, in theory, like go over to all of like their parents' house and be like, hey, you know, if it's that small of a town, like we're getting this game back together or whatever. And, uh, you know, but that's a that's a very good point. No, the lack of Facebook would would be very difficult. Uh, yeah. I did. I, mean, I did appreciate. I will say how the the time clock stuff was handled at the end of the games like in so many football movies it's like oh there's two minutes left oh there's 14 seconds left, and it's like a running clock the whole time like they were throwing the ball to get out of bounds and the clock was you know stopping and then all of a sudden it wasn't and then like they had to call the timeout well and they even said beforehand that they had a time they had yeah. one timeout left so they set it up to where yeah. okay you know that even if they get down in bounds they do have that one timeout and that's like that is that is a really really good point. I noted that too. Like that was quality on Friday Night Lights. Like a lot, of, like which is a, I think the best TV show ever about sports. Certainly, uh, their clock management is horrible. Like on Friday Night Lights, <laughs> all the time. Like Coach Chandler, uh, or it's just a, t- a terrible Coach Taylor. Excuse me, Kyle Chandler. Coach Taylor, terrible, terrible clock management guy. Like cannot ever seem to like get guys out of bounds or call the right plays or he's calling running plays with like six seconds left somehow miraculously work out when smash Williams or Riggs uh, Riggins like breaks three tackles. Like I appreciated the, that attention to detail. Varsity blues is all over the place with that too. Yes. Uh, John Moxon's weird way of, of clocking the uh, clock in the football shout out MTV back in the day when MTV would just make a football movie. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Um, okay. So what worked about this one that we haven't touched about? you know, touched on yet. Like what, what is it? What are some of the reasons that this one still resonates for you that we haven't talked about? I guess just the idea that um, like that a town can sort of, you know, fall in love again with uh, some silly event that, you know, has taken on greater meaning as it uh, has come and gone. And I I always kind of love movies where like the town gets together and it, you know, achieves a a goal and a task uh, and that they're united after being sort of, divided amongst themselves and the little silly attentions to detail like when um when kurt russell's painting the sistine chapel on the van and it's called the van gogh van Gogh, <laughs> and, and like stupid little things like that that make uh him more realistic i i don't i was trying to think when i was watching it like does the scenes where like ron williams goes out and visits the prostitute uh obviously those would not probably fly today quite as well or that was one that didn't work for me (laughs) yeah i was like whoa okay like and you know he makes it very clear he's he's just only paying her to be a therapist uh i guess but um that was a little bit weird for me that was maybe prostitutes in general were more common in the 80s and uh did you notice who the prostitute was uh i did not that is the owner from major league that is rachel phelps is it really yes margaret margaret witten wow this movie yeah. is pretty stacked with a lot of oh that character right like yeah a lot of people in this movie who it's like oh it's that person from that thing that i might like him a little bit more in yeah wow she got yeah. hotter uh as she got older i must say. oh yeah i mean she it's three years later and she's thrown 150 miles an hour in, wow. in major league wow you blew my mind with that oh yeah no that that was i mean it, 
talking about like what didn't work with this one is kind of like too many unlikable or weird characteristics for Jack. Like I'm not sure he and Ellie's marriage is that great. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much I cared at the end about like their marriage being saved more than him just kind of like sticking to the Colonel. Like Jack is objectively a super weird human. Yeah, for sure. The whole like sexual thing between them where he's like, I'm referring to something about him as Mr. Weasel. uh, And he's doing the, you know, like Gladys Knight and the Pips uh, sort of thing that anytime Robin Williams is like doing anything like sexual related, like that always gives me kind of like the willies a little bit. Like, I don't don't need any of that. I I prefer like, you know, Robin Williams, either super serious, like, you know, dead poet society, goodwill hunting, or like just funny and wacky, but nothing like romantic. (laughs) So the, the romance stuff for Reno and, uh, uh, and his, uh, his wife worked a little bit better for me than the stuff with Jack. So, cause she, she has like something that she wants, right. She wants to yeah. be a singer. She wants uh, him to sort of be supportive of her career and, um, you know, not be stuck in this kind of dead end life. And uh, you know, and I don't know if that's ever resolved really, but I just feel a little bit more like their uh, thing worked a little better. So. Yeah. Cause Sheldon always has to have the, the relationship angle. Like he's always, he's always, you know, doing something in that regard. But I think in the other movies, I mean, in Bull Durham, there's kind of the love triangle thing going on, but it's, it's not, you know, and then, uh, white man can't jump. You've got, you know, you've got Billy Ho and, and Rosie Perez mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, tin cup, obviously this one, he tries, tries the dual thing. Like they're both going through it. And I think you could have done it where, You've got you've got Reno and his wife, and she's she's tired of being stuck in this town. That whole thing, um, and then with with Jack, it's just more like things are fine with his wife, but his father in law is a massive dick, and he hates him. And it is a way to stick to his father in law and kind of redeem his his reputation as well. So I I see what they were going for. It just did, especially with Jack's marriage, just did not did not always work for me. Yeah, yeah, I I, I would agree there. Yeah. The the other thing, I, I guess, in, in one more thing that that like that worked well for me that we talked about the town, you know, the the town being a town that just can't catch a break. We talked about having, you know, two of the most, arguably the two most accomplished actors to ever head a sports movie, like one and two. That might be a very bold claim that I might have to walk back another time, but like, as far as fame, career accomplishments, um, that's. I mean, that's a pretty stout one and two that yeah. that's about as, about as, as good as you can get it. It's just, I, you mentioned the Friday night lights. Like I love the Friday night, Friday night lights parallels in this one in the, in the book comes out, what, like three years later, four years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this actually predated it, but just like the fact that it's these guys that they aren't, the game isn't even about like a state title. They're not chasing college scholarships or to be something huge. Like, they're just trying to be on the field one more time. And I really kind of love that aspect. Cause like if someone said like, Hey, do you want to go play like an actual competitive high school baseball game one more time against guys? You like, I would, I would do it. And it would like, everyone would be bad and there'd be 47 strikeouts. But it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Because like it it comes back to like that you love the sport, right? Like it's not, you're not doing it for, you know, the chance to win a college scholarship at that point. You're not doing it for, glory really you're doing it because you feel like connected to the people and, and you get that uh you know a lot of the guys come back because it's like all right we've got to support the other guys too we got to sort of all be you know we're doing this as uh 
as a way to sort of be together one more time. Like it's almost like a, you know, it's a high school reunion in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, um, but with athletics, like I hundred percent would love to, you know, my, <laughs> we had like a high school reunion uh, for um, one of my friends was getting inducted into our high school hall of fame. And so all my friends kind of went back and we played like a pickup basketball game for like three hours and the blisters on my feet were like, I have played basketball and, you know, hard basketball, like going hard in 15, 20 years. And, oh my God, I could barely walk the next day. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like, we had to, like, there was no like saying no to that. That was just, you know, I, I wanted to do it because all my friends were there and it felt like we were 17 again. That's the, that's one of the most realistic parts about this thing is that if you get together, like all these guys getting together, it is, it'd be very easy to throw yourself back into what times were like, cause you were with those people for such a special capsule of your life. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very easy to fall back into that. And then it's also very easy to a couple days later, realize that you are, you're not that young and, mm-hmm. and you know, working that hard at anything is going to, man, I like, I went to my kid had went to, was invited to a birthday party, like a trampoline park. And this was like two years ago. And I was still in my twenties and I jumped in the trampoline park with him and I was sore for two weeks. Yeah. I, it was, it was just the saddest, the saddest possible thing that, that could have happened. I, at my daughter's eighth birthday party was at a roller skating rink and I was on oh. roller skates and trying to do like some sort of roller skating move and fell hard on my ass. And like, regretted it for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> um okay did anything else not work about this one that you would have changed up i don't think so i mean uh do you have anything that didn't work for you maybe uh i would have taken i would have taken more football scenes because i thought it really picked up maybe like get to it a little quicker like the actual the game's getting going because that stuff really worked for me i loved watching them you know watching them play watching them practice that sort of thing this is the same problem that a couple different movies like big time underdog stories have, most notably uh, Little Giants, the kids football movie. Mm-hmm. I needed more of a reason that they could win coming into it. Even just like a line of like, man, if Reno plays like Reno, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. some, something like that. We knew he was good, but it was like they've got this computer and they're actually practicing, you know, not running plays on dirt, something like that. There has to be the reason that they can win. Mm-hmm. Um, and we finally get it at halftime. It's like, Oh, that that's, that's how like Reno has to, you know, get pissed off and turn into a dick, but that, that I would have taken. So just, just really a little more football would have, would have done it for me. I was thinking as I was watching, I had remembered the scene where um, Kurt Russell sings the why do birds suddenly appear uh, thing. And I was, I don't know why I remembered it so well, but I, when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this just doesn't really work for me. Like I, I could have, <laughs> Like, I, I don't know if that really speaks to um, Reno's, I, you know, it's a totally different side of Reno that we see kind of at the end when he's, you know, or even before when he's kind of like pretty cool. And um, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure that scene where they, the, the women climb out the window because, you know, they don't want to be wooed by his powers of love. Uh, <laughs> I, I probably would have cut that scene. That wouldn't yeah. quite work for me. Yeah, there there was some some stuff about winning back the women that probably could have yeah. probably could have been on the cutting floor. I mean, one thing that worked about this movie is I think it's 104 minutes. Like it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a nice quick watch. quick watch, kind of flies. Like that's when when you have to rewatch a movie every single week for the past like for a podcast the past three years, you appreciate the ones that are like a tight 100. <laughs> like that's that's real good stuff. Yeah, I think what I also thought as I was watching this is like this movie, you know, 
they don't really make movies like this anymore. And obviously, like, certainly not this because this even was it was like the budget was twelve million and it made seven million. Like, yeah, they wouldn't make that. But these kind of like mid. I mean, I I kind of love romantic comedies, and there just aren't a lot getting made by studios anymore. Like you'll see them mm-hmm. now starting to pop up on Netflix and Hulu and stuff in that middle market. Of but it's like the, you know, the uh, IP stuff where you're trying to make you know, franchise out of everything has swallowed up so much of movie going that it was hard to imagine like a modern version of this where the budget is 45 million and you get, you know, the rock going back to, you know, play high school football or whatever. Uh, And it's not like a, you know, you have like a, a star studded cast or whatever, but it's like played as like a, it's not supposed to be 400 million people watching it. It's supposed to just, make back its money or make a little more like that's those movies are are really aren't getting made anymore and that's a kind of a bummer because it's fun to sort of just you know have a movie that you don't take all that seriously and you just enjoy and you and that's what sports movies in kind of a lot of ways are right like i don't Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times like i don't want to see a movie that like is an oscar bait movie you know i don't want to see a movie that's a marvel movie i want to see something that just kind of distracts me for an hour and 40 minutes and then we're good yeah, I mean, this isn't something that we're gonna see in the theaters again, like movies like this, and that that part is a huge bummer because if it is a sports movie that gets a um, gets a nationwide release or even a rom com, you're right, it's got to have IP, it's got to have mega stars, something yeah. like that. Like we had, like what was that "Marry Me" that just came out with like J Lo and Owen Wilson? I haven't yeah. watched it. I'm not gonna search the movie, but I mean, it's sure. two two mega stars and. Um, you know, and if it's a sports movie, it's got to be like a, a money ball or something like that with yeah. it's, it's got to be prestige. It's got to be something more than, than just like something that you can just kind of unplug to. And yeah. this is, you know, you don't, don't have to, you don't have to think about this movie that hard. It's like really simple. It brings everything to you. And that's really, that's a really enjoyable part. Like it's something that really works in its favor, especially with what we, you know, what we have now. It's charming, right? That's a good word for mm-hmm. it. It's just like a nice, charming little movie. Like you know, you don't have to think too hard about it after it's done. So. Yeah, which is which is really really nice. Um, the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prinze Jr. awards for best and worst on screen athlete. Like we are, Russell kind of has the swagger. Yeah, pulls pulls that off. No one was glaringly bad because, yeah. especially like they're having to portray dudes in their thirties playing football. You you don't have to look like you know you don't have to look like an all pro to do that right it's sort of part of the charm if you're bad in this sort of deal like i and i did appreciate like the one uh kind of beer bellied uh guy who's in the um caribou thing he's he's the fullback who catches the pass uh late like it wasn't all luther like they managed to sort of throw another pass to someone else you know you know i think that one is the second to last touchdown that uh the taft scores and stuff and you know it's uh and again we talked about like the guy who plays Johnny O is like, you could see him being like a good, you know, small town high school running back. Uh, and I love that yeah. he was like double O, double zero. And, you know, it's like his name was Oleski or whatever. So it was like a whole a gimmick of that. And he had Herm out there somewhere. Yeah. Herm, you know, get, this is probably Herm after Herm was played for the Eagles and was out there just, you know, thinking about when he scooped up that uh, fumble in the Super Bowl and ran back for a touchdown. Like he was showing off. He was probably like an advisor too. He's like showing the yeah. other people how to play you know defensive line maybe he was like the guy who taught dr death 
his like grab the shit out of the receiver and throw him to the ground uh, <laughs> defensive technique that was so effective for 99% of the game. Imagine Herm coaching up Robin Williams because that's two personalities that don't really have any sort of off switch. That's just two guys who escalate, escalate, escalate. True. It's just two immovable forces when an immovable force meets another immovable force. You, this um, is a total like um, diversion, but did you watch that Ben Affleck basketball movie that came out recently? Like the that, way back. So yeah. that is, that is the, I think the modern day heir to Ron Shelton in terms of okay. sports movie hall of famer, Gavin O'Connor. He did I, miracle. I yeah. Okay. I haven't he did seen miracle. It. He did uh, warrior. Okay. Um. Did you have you seen Miracle and Warrior? I assume? I have never seen either of those. Actually, I feel a little bit ashamed that I have not seen. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So <laughs> Gavin O'Connor directed Miracle Warrior and The Way Back with okay. Affleck, and then um, he is like we we're gonna talk about big chill moments here in a second. He yeah. is like the big chill king. Okay. Okay. I'm surprised you haven't seen Miracle. I know. I, you know what? The story that EM Company wrote, Man. Yeah. I Disney know. signing those checks. The story that EM Swift wrote for Sports Illustrated is one of my all time favorites, too, about the Miracle on Ice. Uh, it has like one of the best walk off lines ever. And I probably read it 50 times when I was a kid. And I don't know. I just have never, like, never thrown it on. Uh, you know, I, I think like it's the kind of thing where I should totally watch with like my daughters and just be like, oh, all right, yeah. we're going to watch like a huge important, uh, cause they were two of my girls are, are pretty into sports and they would uh, be super into it. So, and they're like early teens. Uh, so my oldest is 13 and then my uh, middle daughter is 12 and my youngest just turned 10. So my, so it, it came out when I was 13 and it was okay. something like the, the, ba- our baseball coach took us to see it and something like that. But it is, I they actually they just covered it on the rewatchables a few okay. um gotcha. uh, a, you know a few weeks back or a few months yeah. back or whatever and they were talking and, and Simmons made the good point of that like you you can go back and you can watch that game on YouTube and stuff like that and it's it's really you know it's 1980 or 1981 it's like really fuzzy and stuff like that and what Gavin O'Connor did with that is they cast a ton of like the the team is made up of hockey players like they mm-hmm. they casted athletes that they figured they could turn to actors and it works really well for that. And it's like getting inside that game. And it's in, in some ways better than watching the actual game or the replay of the game. They had Al Michaels and Ken Dryden come in and redo all their lines. And I'm just out here stumping for a movie that we're not talking about, but uh, but. what made me think about it is like the Rob Williams and then Goodwill hunting connection. And then I was like, you know, what is the odds that like a, another sports movie, um, large budget kind of sports movie would get made and then i was like oh that affleck movie but then it wasn't that like a netflix release or something it was like not a or it was i don't know if it was like a huge uh release anyway i was just sort of i wondering. think it i think it came out during the pandemic okay maybe was that thing. was why i thought it was yeah uh, but it but i mean it, yeah again it was like you know it's affleck like in and mm-hmm. gavino like Man, I, I feel like I bring up Gavin O'Connor in every single episode. Like I'm very glad that you opened the store for me to just stump sure. for the man again. But yeah. like Warrior is yeah. Warrior came out in twenty I think Warrior is like one of the best best sports movies last fifteen years. Like it okay. is fucking incredible. It's uh Tom Hardy and Joel yeah. Edgerton and Nick Nolte. Like it is it is a heater. And that's about um, like the ultimate fight or UFC fighting kind of Yeah, thing. and it's it's these two guys who are estranged brothers who end up fighting in the same MMA tournament, but it's, it's kind of like this and that it's, a, it's, it's a movie that's far deeper than something about like Emma just being about guys who fight. Okay. And it's, yeah. I mean, 
Man, if you if you have some free time on the weekend, you've got like a, a hey. back-to-back-to-back heater of movies to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I will I will bang those out and maybe reappear on this podcast. <laughs> oh man, by all means, like I would love for you to, especially for Warrior Miracle, like the instant reaction, like come on, we'll we'll talk them out because I could talk right. about those movies forever. Um, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. A uh, lot of lot of good like random character actors who went on to do good stuff. We talked about Rachel Phelps as as Darla, the the local prostitute out in out on the outskirts of town. Yep. Um, uh, Pamela Reed, who is who is Gigi Hightower, yep. who's like, do you? Is there something else you recognize her from? Uh, I, you know, I looked this up and now I don't remember uh, what it was, but she, God, she's Leslie Nope's mom from Parks and Rec. That's right. That's what yep. I. That's what I recognize her from. Uh, I did after that, but it was something else that I am. I'm, I'm on her IMDb page now. She, yeah, uh, she's been working for a long time. She really has. She was in Kindergarten Cop. I, I remember that. Uh, and I want to say uh, something else other than on Parks and Rec that uh, I, I can't. It's not coming to me right now. But um, yeah, she's she's like a, a oh that lady face. Uh, you know, instead of like that guy, like that that woman. I, I recognize her from. You know, for, she was like on all kinds of TV shows in the late '80s, early '90s. A LA lot Law, of network yeah. TV too. Yeah, LA Law. I remember her from. Uh, I'm not sure what else it is, but um, yeah, like I don't know. It's funny, like uh, the women that they sort of cast as actresses now, like they're they look a lot different than these women. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, but. Um, uh it's, it's just interesting the kind of the look of like what was hot in the in the 80s you know and stuff so <laughs> a lot of a lot of things have changed um very much donald moffat is the colonel like mm-hmm. great great dickhead villain like yeah. just brought brought all that that rich rich dickhead doesn't like to pay taxes that whole thing like he's perfect great 80s villain great uh great reagan era villain like mm-hmm. right up that alley Yep. Um, you know, as far as supporting characters for you, I, I guess it's pretty much anyone except for uh for Robin Williams or Kurt Russell. Yeah, um I guess I would go I I like um the guy who plays Charlie, Emmett Walsh, uh who's been in like literally like just about everything. everything. Kind of the, the frumpy looking uh older guy. Like he you could if you name it, like he's been in it. Like he's a funny He's a guy who runs the Caribou Club uh, stuff, and so the look uh, when when uh, Jack hands him his broken hammer, it just looks like <laughs> yeah. his, his whole world has been ended. Yep. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> Charlie, you'll never know. What, oh goodness. Yeah. So, um, those would be my sort of uh, picks. I think. Is if you have anybody else you'd throw in there? Not really. I I had the I had um. Darla just because more just so because she was Rachel Phelps, uh, yeah. the you know Pamela Reed, and then yeah, I think uh, M. Emmett Walsh is Charlie is a really good pick. I had him, yeah. had him listed too, and then Donald Moffat, good performance. Yeah. Um, so the big chill, the uh, yeah. movie, the you know, the moment in the movie that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Um, this one goes for it with with the catch at the end, but sure. I think you kind of sold me on the speech, like Reno's speech about, um you know, about wanting to be remembered like that is actually in retrospect. I, I think that's the move. What about, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, that to me just kind of gets at the heart of like what it means to be a high school star athlete is that it's this, you know, brief moment in your life that comes at a time when you're 
just figuring out how to be an adult and what kind of person you're going to be and your whole future is sort of limitless and ultimately like being a great high school athlete is kind of meaningless uh you know it doesn't really no one at like 40 gives a shit how good you were at whatever you did in high school and yet it has because it becomes at that time when you're just trying to figure out who you are as a person like it carries so much weight in so many people's lives forever and it's like the first time you fall in love the first time you sort of have really great friends the first time you figure out where you're gonna leave you know live after you leave your parents and i think that speech kind of nails down all of like what it is like hey man like don't erase that for me just because you're trying to sort of capture something that you wish had happened for you like it did happen for me and i don't want to like embarrass myself and look like a fool and so i i just love that sentiment of it i and also love like as i said before when he walks out in his white shoes like that's you know it's just like a like a holy shit oh this is yeah. this is game on you know and i re- remembered like he when he's taping up his shoes i hadn't really remembered that moment uh i don't know why because it's such a chill moment but when he was taping up his shoes in the locker room like and before he's like shoots up his knee i was like i thought he wore white shoes like whatever because uh, it like jack makes a reference to it. remember how you looked or maybe it's his uh wife remember how you looked in your white shoes and you were sort of and so it's like little shelton does a good job of planting those little seeds along the way that sort of mm-hmm. uh, spring up and kid lester we haven't even talked about kid, the kid, the kid lester. yes the, the kid lester kid lester when you do you remember when you first saw the movie if you because like they show him a few times this old guy he's looking at the rain he's got his umbrella did you i i didn't even register i was like yeah. i know this guy's i know this guy's important but i didn't even remember the callback and then at the end when he starts like smiling and stuff like that i'm like oh shit i know who that is yeah i don't think the first time i saw the movie and it's been you know 30 years now uh that i knew it was kid lester like until the reveal at the end and then i was like oh shit, that's so <laughs> sweet uh so I mean, i'd be curious to make my kids watch this at some point and see uh when they recognize that uh it's kid lester so it's interesting that he still had his kid lester jacket and no one in the crowd noticed the old man like hey is that that's that's the guy we talk about all the time yeah, that's yeah. uh he's wearing the kid lester jacket how about that yeah i mean they, you know kid lester trapped in what he used to be too you know and so he's felt like he could do a little pass along the magic for maybe he'd like to replay that fight as a 90 year old man maybe that could be the sequel to this movie. <laughs> kid, kid, kid lester, lester gets to fight again that's like that uh what was that uh stallone and and De- was it stallone and de niro what was that they like it's like a boxing movie that but they're both old and that's when like de niro they were both stallone and de niro were just both like taking any check that got thrown out the grudge match i can't remember what it was called but it was just like it's like what the fuck are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> but i mean again that's a movie that's like it's 2007, like, hey, what if Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone boxed in their 60s? And it's like, yeah, let's throw some money behind that and put it in theaters. Like, <laughs> go see it. You don't have to think about it. The two greatest white guy movie boxers of the last you know, <laughs> 30 years. Let's, let's throw it in there. Yeah. I, I would I would 100% go see that, actually, if that, if that came out now. Yeah, if that was something, if it was like those two guys, like, and it's in, th- but it's in theaters. And if it's an excuse to like go eat popcorn and not think for two hours, like, eh, fuck it. Let's watch this old guy's box. Absolutely. Um, how would you improve this one? I guess I would have liked to see um, if there could have been some indication as to like why uh, 
Jack and Reno were friends? Like, were they friends before, or was, was like Jack like a pest that Reno sort of put up with? Like, maybe they grew up next to each other or something, or some some way that they were linked uh, prior to this, and why they sort of stayed friends, even though uh, they're obviously two dramatically different people. I don't know. I don't think there's much I would change. Like, I I think sometimes like I just I like a a flawed movie uh like this just because it's not trying so hard to you know be perfect like uh, i think um the, i mean the, part of the disappointing aspect of this not making any money or whatever and disappearing from the you know the mainstream stuff is that like you know it's it's hard to then justify making anything else like it and there's some movies where like the glaring errors in them are just i mean like like Wimbledon is a very stupid sports movie or like, you know, there's, there's plenty. My, of- my good friend, Alex McDaniel, <laughs> if she hears this, she's going to come running. <laughs> I was just talking about that for some reason with some of my friends, like someone brought up Wimbledon. I was like, Oh my God, what a, that was a terrible movie. Kristen does. And then like the lack of uh, athletic ability and Kirsten Dunst, like trying to make her a tennis player was like hilarious. Uh, and like Paul Bettany is like a, I mean that it was all just. I mean, oh, sitting over there in the corner is is my mountain of Paul Bettany stock that I bought after a Knight's Tale. So yeah. just just <laughs> sitting there maturing. So uh, you know, but like this is a movie that has like some some minor flaws, but nothing so glaring that you're like, oh well, that like, you know, there's some of the like continuity stuff, like when the uh, when Jack like lines up for the pass, he's like way he's on the left side or whatever, and then Reno throws like a a bomb to the right side uh and jacks and so it's like simple things like that you could sort of fix but i don't think i would do much if it was a serious movie i think you'd kill it for that more but it's it's not like it's not taking itself that seriously and like i would have maybe liked a little more football like a little more practice stuff maybe a little more insight on you know the guys on the team maybe a little more character development in that way but also you could have seen it where if they just try to like overdo it and like Joe Schmo lineman has a backstory and Luther has a backstory and stuff like that. Like, you know who these guys are. Like they're the schlubs you played high school football with. Like the linemen love to drink beer. Luther's got some talent. Like you, you know, you didn't need to, to flesh anyone out like that. So I, I could have done for more practicing just cause I thought when the, when the football was on, it was the best part of the movie, yeah. but I, you know, it's not something that, that tanks it one way or another. Yeah. Um, last category before more restore prequel, sequel to remake. Um, I think sequel is kind of unfortunately off the uh, yeah. off the table for this one. Yeah. Um, uh, rest in peace, but, uh, Williams. But uh, yeah, the, the best. Uh, I think it's right for a remake. Okay. I would love to see this tackled again. Yeah. Who would you cast? Who's a good uh, person who's you know in their probably you know thirties or something that would be a good Reno or a good uh, Jack? The so. <laughs> I don't know why for for Jack this is the first thing that popped up. The problem is like you can't picture him playing high school wide receiver, but like Charlie Day popped into my okay. head. <laughs> like, weird, like the the weird neuroses of Charlie Day kind of. Yeah. And I I just watched that I just watched that rom com he was in, which I really enjoyed on uh, on Prime. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. Uh. I feel like anytime it's like good looking athlete guy it's like is it efron or is it michael michael b jordan like those are the two that that pop up like that but i i as far as like remake i don't know who would you cast because i feel like since this one was good but not 
beloved. It's not like a ton of people would be pissed. Like, oh, why are yeah. you remaking this? It's like if they remake Bull Durham, I'm gonna like like burn someone's house down. Sure. Yeah, that's why I would make maybe a better remake candidate, right? Is because no one, there's not like a huge fan base out there that's dying to. The hive isn't coming for yeah. you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, could you get like a a Chris Evans type to, you know, if he, I mean, he. Oh, he'd be so good. Yeah, I mean, he made you know, like, made Knives Out. So like, you know, Ernest is obviously making the sequels now too. So and, and play got to just play a little bit of a different character than the Captain America thing. Like you could see him playing a fun kind of down on your luck uh you know ex high school star like it would be a good good fit the thing about chris evans like i understand that the marvel movies that captain america has like put his great great grandchildren through college and like that's you you don't turn down that role but it's really nice when chris evans does literally anything yeah. else because he's so like He's in a movie I love that makes me cry like a baby called Gifted. Okay. Um, he's he's a great kind of like rom-com asshole. Like he could kill it in rom-coms. He could kill it in this. Like I'm I am all for a the post Captain America Chris Evans and what we can get out of that cuz I think he's a he's a ton of fun. I mean, he's really really good as Captain America. Yeah. Like not going to get it twisted, but he, but he would be good at it. He this. was great in Knives Out and that like he played against completely against the Captain America type of like being just a smarmy dick and like you could see how both sides would be fun for him to play uh you know the the sort of charming and nice guy and the the jack is in the beginning of the film and then turn on the sort of prickishness uh at the end and stuff so that, yeah that's a good pick yeah um john david washington always gets brought up a lot on this show when it's like who would you cast it's this athletic guy just because athlete has the charisma played football um, you know, that I, I would, I would watch that guy in like anything. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Okay. Um, so I don't know, but I, I would watch a re if they said that they were dropping of this on HBO max or Netflix or something like I would, I would probably watch that the day it drops. I don't know. You would. Yeah. I hope some people like who have never heard of this movie, uh, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who are going to like see this podcast and be like, what movie are they talk about that, that they will. <laughs> Like you can watch it for free on YouTube. That's what I, that's how I watched it. <laughs> you can watch it for free on the, the Roku channel as well. Nice. If you have a, if you use a Roku to access your smart TV. Uh, yeah. It's just a fun way. As you said, like it's not a long commitment. Uh, you can totally pass the time with it pretty easily and see like, man, Rob Williams, when, when Rob Williams was just sort of on the cusp of being like, great, this is before good morning Vietnam, which is kind of, solidified him as an actual um, i think he was nominated for an oscar for that and so it's like solidified him as like an actual like great uh actor and um I, it's one of kurt russell's like i'm trying to remember when this is in his sort of uh, uh career but it's pretty darn early in terms of it's after it's after the thing okay um but it's i think it's after escape from new york okay he he's probably the headliner. Like I think he's the headliner in this for sure. But yeah. I I'm not sure if it's after Escape from New York and and you never know, especially back then, like when things were actually filmed yep. versus when they came out. Because like when when Tom Cruise was in um, God, what's that fucking football movie? I can't the I covered it. I can't remember what it is. But Tom Cruise was in it and it was filmed. But then The Outsiders came out before it, or maybe, maybe it was risky business came out before it It is all the right moves. moves, Risky business comes out before it. And then they're like, Oh shit, we got to get this out now because he's, because he's a star. So, 
Um, came out yeah, this, I mean, it's this came out the same year as Big Trouble in Little China, which uh, he was, uh, you know, starred in. And then Overboard was the following year. So Overboard was kind of what made Kurt Russell, like, I guess, Escape from New York. But like Overboard kind of made him sort of a star in like the romantic comedy sort of charming way. Uh, stuff. So, yeah, I mean, this one, like the pitch for this one, like come watch, come watch two of our our best movie stars, two great actors cook in a sports movie in yeah. a football movie that isn't going to stress you out or make you, you know, have to think too much. I think that's a great selling point at this point. Totally. I'm all in. Let's, let's get it remade. Let's do it. KVV. I'm so glad you suggested this one. Glad we got to do this. Uh, like I said, been a huge fan of your work for years. So this was a, this was a joy for me. Uh, tell the folks again where they can follow you. Check out your work. Yeah. I mean, you can easiest way to, it's is, uh, just on Twitter, K van Valkenburg. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, really wanted to search uh stuff on me you could punch my name into espn search function thanks for bringing up that um semi-pro football story uh one of my favorite things i've ever written uh it is it is excellent that again i will link that in the show notes um it is just i mean you gotta you gotta prepare yourself you gotta steal it steal your emotions it's but it's uh, just a fantastic piece like i i think about that all the time um sad uh sad football stories that uh hopefully maybe have some kind of hope or uplift in them or about, or about the cost of football. That's kind of my brand. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, I knew when I saw that one and my editor said, yeah, go, go explore it. And then I went out there and started talking to the people and, uh, and they were remarkably honest about things. Uh, that was when I knew like, okay, this is like more of a piece of literature than it is like a football story. So write it as such. So Yeah. And uh, great work. And then in terms of recent work about people who are remarkably honest, the, uh, the Aaron Rodgers profile, uh, <laughs> great stuff. Get your, get yourself uh, immunized and yeah. then go read that one. Thank you. I, <laughs> hopefully people will pick up on the various uh, subtleties that uh, are sprinkled throughout that uh, show you that, uh, you know, uh, letting Aaron Rodgers uh, talk and reveal who he was, was, uh, was the kind of mission in that one so yeah great great piece uh and you guys can also catch kvv on golf twitter which is like we said earlier a special 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 place there's no no place like golf twitter uh especially i mean we get the masters soon like that'll oh be gosh. great uh cannot wait and if you enjoy this episode of big screen sports please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate and leave your review if you're an apple podcast or spotify uh, new episodes every monday and if you're a baseball fan listen to my interview series from phenom to the farm that's presented to you by baseball america comes out every other tuesday tomorrow an interview with phil umber national champion at rice in 2003 one of the the few guys in baseball history to throw a perfect game great interview check that one out and we'll catch you next monday thanks for listening whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.